All right, let me see if it works now. I'm still on. Still on. Still there. Still here. Oh for now. God. Okay, yeah, apparently. <laughs> I'm I just, just waiting I, for I, you to go away. I, 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 I just I quit my Skype session and started it back up. Maybe that's all I needed to do. Turn it on, turn it off. Got here it. we go. All right. There we go. So far. That's what we were going to try. So uh, you oh, beat us to the tech support there where we're like, I don't know. Unplug Good it. Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Okay. We got it going. Okay. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll get into this. So yeah, Chris, Brooke. Um, Hello. How are you doing, Brooke? Good, good. How are you doing, Chris? Doing well. Thank you. Good, good. This will be, uh, as I was telling Chris, our uh, episode for Guardians of the Galaxy Week because we're going for the big numbers with uh, our oh. take on immigration. We're going <laughs> we're going to keep it light and fluffy. I was I was actually wondering what you were pairing this up with. <laughs> It's a film that uh, apparently Chris rewatched, uh, and I didn't even bother to watch. So maybe we're gonna have to do that another time. <laughs> so m- maybe it'll be three times by the time we get around <laughs> to recording the actual episode. <laughs> I tell you what, it really bothered me about it, Chris, is uh, because the link is on Vimeo, and I've really mm-hmm. gotten in the habit, uh, as all movie podcaster movie podcasters should, uh, and I'll just out myself of putting it in vlc on my iphone and watching it like yeah. 1.8 speed and it's like yeah i got it <laughs> let's let's wrap this up let's go <laughs> so uh i have to admit for the visitor i did it richard jenkins was uh he was really to the point in my version of the movie he really well, got to it that's good yeah, i'm I, sure it didn't take away from his drumming it, it helped <laughs> it was very enthusiastic the entire time they were really into it so, <laughs> And the same for Dirty Pretty Things, although I had a DVD of it, so I think I put it on 1.5 on the PlayStation, so oh. we got to it. But I'd seen both of these uh, before, so I don't know if I should do that with The Sun is also a star. Boy. Yeah. So, uh, Brooke, <laughs> you're not going to have to watch that one. You don't have to talk about it. We're just going to get into uh, these two that I watched uh, at triple speed uh, to be so <laughs> so ready for this. Don't worry. I'll, I'll point out all the nuances you, you I'm sure you missed sure. from these films. I had subtitles on too. Now I was, I was reading along really quickly. Wow. Yeah. I had it all. <laughs> all right. So, uh, joining once again, although it's been a while is uh, Brooke from the cinema bun podcast. And I believe last time it was, uh, probably a little bit more fun than our topic tonight. Cause we were talking <laughs> reservoir dogs and the thing. So just a little bit, just yeah. a little more fun. Shanae, there is something I must tell you. This is your religion? I have no religion, Shanae. You have stopped chewing the leaf. I can see it in your eyes. You know, Akwe, your eyes are quite pretty. You are not bad looking. Shanae, listen to me. I come to this churchyard often. I come here to be alone and to think about my wife. So now you see. What do I see? You should not see me anymore. Do you love her? Do you love her? There is a room above a restaurant. The immigration police do not dare go into Chinatown. We will be safe. Do you love her? Here's some money for the rent I owe you. There is more for the trouble I have caused you, Shania. Okwe, do you love her? Love? For you and I, there is only survival. It is time you woke up from your stupid dream. Broke broke the record. Broke, yeah. the, broke the international record. How about that? We're going to do that right here with uh, Dirty Pretty Things and The Visitor. <laughs> this is our big uh, summer yes. opener, our big uh, kickoff uh, in this year's uh, summer podcast season. So <laughs> I don't really know where to start. I, you know, I'm going to try to tangent off of. Faith Furious because I had seen Dirty Pretty Things. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. Let's once, see. Okay, I'd seen it once before. <laughs> and so, for those who haven't, uh, it is a, a crime thriller uh, that is about the exploitation of immigrants in this uh, pseudo underground scene. Although, albeit the I guess the the underground here is centered around this this hotel, um, and you have uh, uh, our security guy, our, our 
bellhop, you have the, the doorman, you have all of them sort of having their, their hands in this this pie. And our, our main character here, uh, in a pretty striking, at least from a visual perspective scene, finds a uh, human heart in the toilet. And so the, I remember thinking the first time I watched this, I'm like, oh, this is going to be like one of those cool like crime movies. Like this is going to be like it's going to escalate to a point uh, because that's certainly a, a, a violent image on screen. And it really doesn't, but I, I remember the first time being disappointed and then feeling like I was, to a certain degree, being lectured about immigration when, when I was being sold something. Because like, keep in mind, this is, I, I believe I watched this in the Netflix days where I just sent stuff, like during DVD days. And so I would just be like, oh, Stephen Frears, like, you know, I, I like The Grifter, so yeah, whatever this is, I'll watch it. And so I, I feel like when you open with that, you know, it's it's certainly nothing that gets more violent. I think that's probably the the biggest act of violence uh, that you'll see. There is there's there's some sexual violence here, but that's that's yeah. off screen. They don't you know, thankfully so. But I, I wondered, like for you all, and I don't know if this is the first time watch or not, uh, how much either one of you knew about it, and if you were surprised with the direction that it takes that it is for the most part, just a melodrama between two immigrants uh, with this <clears throat> somewhat will they, will they or won't they love story. Uh, and if you, if you went with that after, after opening with a human heart in the toilet, which is kind of where I, I got stuck. So we'll start with the uh, Chris, since uh, you know, you're a huge fate of the furious fan. I'm assuming you're going to be right there with me on this one. Um, Sort of. Yeah, as far as it, the I had never seen this before. I remember hearing about the idea of this hotel where they're doing organ um, black market sales, and I just had no interest in it at the time. It just seemed like it was going to be homework as opposed to something that would be enjoyable. And I really ended up liking this film because it wasn't what I expected. It was kind of like this procedural, I don't know, almost goofy Columbo episode at times where you had these cops with the, the Borak mustache and just they, they, I couldn't take anybody in this film seriously um, with the exception of the two leads. Um, it's, I'm surprised you found it preachy because I didn't really, it didn't come across that way to me at all. It just felt very light. I thought it was going to be far more heavy handed than it was. And I think it's actually a pretty enjoyable movie. Um, I, I don't know that it's necessarily a, a comedy, but I did find myself laughing at the movie quite a bit. Okay, I did not have that take, so thank you. Now you're the asshole on the show. I think oh, you yeah. Just, you just stole that from me. <laughs> Brooke, you, uh, you've got to play the nice guy here. What, what uh, Had you had any experience with this? Because I, I threw out a couple of things to you, and you surprised me by saying, I want to do that episode, because I certainly thought, as Chris said, this was just going to be me and him riffing on this, because I didn't think anyone <laughs> yeah. would, would accept Dirty Pretty Things and The Visitor as a uh, double feature they'd want to talk about. Well, I so yeah, I... Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I accepted this one because I had never watched these films and, and to be quite frank, never heard of them. So <laughs> I was like, let me, this is a chance for me to see something I haven't seen. Great. Um, so I, so I took that and, um, for this one, really the first thing I want to say about Dirty Pretty Things is I, I absolutely hate the title and I don't know who picked it or why <laughs> I just don't. Like I, I hear dirty, pretty things. And then I watch this movie and I don't know where the two connect exactly. And I don't know if I'm just it's, the only one, but it's the hotel monologue where the, the guy says that they people come into the hotel, they do these dirty things. And our job is to make it pretty again. Yeah. Okay. Sounds right. a little, and, and that's that even like more a, annoying when they actually yeah. say the title of the movie in the yeah. film. Yeah. It just, yeah, it. I still hate the title. I just do. <laughs> Does it sound like a, like um, a hot topic, like clothing line or something? Like it sounds like uh, something for like 13 to 15-year-old girls or boys that wear a lot of black because that's, yeah. that's what I got with it. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if I would have it, – it's an interesting – like because Chris, Chris said, it is it is different than what he expected. It's different than what I expected. Um, so I'm hoping that you had a better experience with it once you got past the title. Yeah. Oh, no, I did. I did. And I'm I'm a little bit, I guess, in in the middle of both of you. Like, I definitely enjoyed the film. I didn't I didn't necessarily uh, find it more comical than serious, but I didn't find it necessarily too, too serious or preachy either. It was it, it to me, it kind of it was in this like nice gray area or a nice sweet spot where it it was light at times when it needed to be. And then it was 
serious when it came to, I guess, just what, you know, our main characters were going through and what they were experiencing. Um, and then I, I absolutely enjoyed the fact that, um, and this, this is kind of in comparison to the visitor, um, uh, where the central characters here were the immigrants and it was really about them and the, the circumstances that they were going through. Um, which is a little bit different from, from the visitor and how that, how that goes through its storyline. Um, so I really, really actually enjoyed that. Um, and, and this was this, and it was entertaining just seeing them kind of try to solve this, uh, conundrum, right. That they had, uh, with, especially with the hotel, um, with the hotel boss, Senor Juan and, um, <laughs> and, uh, their whole predicament as illegal immigrants. I mean, it was, it was interesting, especially in, and at the end, I, I kind of enjoyed the, the little happy ending at the end. It, it, it's, it could have been bad. Like I, I could see a bad ending and I was, I was perfectly fine with a little happy ending that it, it felt a little bit like the ending to oceans 11, where you have the crew like coming out after they like completed the job and like go off on their separate paths. Like, I enjoyed it. I think what I was talking about was the, the preachiness. And it is interesting because you brought up the visitor uh, that, you know, at, at, there are multiple times here where you have uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. And uh, it's funny. I'm, I thought I would butcher his name. But I'm probably going to butcher hers. Uh, Audrey Totu, I think, uh, is how that's pronounced. Let's just call her Amelie. Amelie. All right. That's fine. Um, <laughs> they, you know, the, a lot of the, the lecturing in the film is not – uh, as in the visitor, there's there's one sequence where uh, you have Richard Jenkins uh, as the for the most part ignorant uh, white guy. He's and I mean that's his character. He's kind of been like asleep at the wheel, uh, even in his own uh, little small <laughs> life, uh, being told like you know you don't really understand like what I'm going through. You don't understand the seriousness of this yet. This is not fair. I am not a criminal. I have committed no crime. What do they think? I'm a terrorist? There are no terrorists in here. The terrorists have money, they have support. This is just not fair. I know. How do you know? You're out there. I'm sorry. I... Sitting here at night and I keep thinking about Zainab. I just want to live my life and play my music. What's so wrong about that? Because things are not going to operate the same for, in that particular film, the immigrant as they would for him. But here we have, uh, Brooke, as you said, you have, for the most part, uh, a group of immigrants who are um, not operating against one another, but certainly they're, they're using one another at various points. And sometimes um, it's just as simple as just like needing a place to stay. But you see that uh, when we have that attempt, that offer put out there, it ends up coming back and really hurting Amelie. That's what puts the, the cops on her basically. And she, so she loses her job at the hotel, but then you also have the, the whole organ, uh, I guess donation here, uh, for the <laughs> donation to basically just stay in the country and keep these, um, you know, minimum wage jobs uh, to to have sort of a free pass uh, in this underworld. So you you see that those different levels uh, of things, and I I did like that, but there were times where I felt like the goodness of Edgy Force character uh, is a little it's a little grating, and I almost felt like he was like. And I don't know if the film ever sort of calls him to task for the fact that he's at times like sort of trying to educate Amelie when she's really going through far worse things than he is up to that point. And I don't know if the the film ever slaps him like they slap Richard Jenkins around in, in The Visitor. But Brooke, what did you, you make of the, that particular dynamic and the relationship between those two characters? I thought it was um... – you know, I don't know. That was that was probably one of the things in the film that I it just never really completely 
worked for me. It just it felt very convenient at times and very fast. Um, I mean, I mean, we 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 are informed, I guess, that that they've uh, what's his uh, Akwe um, uh, Chiwetel's character um, has been staying um, at at her place uh, uh, for. I don't know how long, but he's been staying there for for at least a little bit. Um, but but when we first see them, I mean, she doesn't want anything to do with him. She doesn't want to talk to him. She doesn't want anyone seeing them together. So we don't really know how close they are, or how much interaction they've had with each other. But then through the course of the movie, which doesn't seem like it, it spanned that much time, um, they fall in love. Uh, so it it. I, I don't I didn't really know what to make of it. it. It didn't really convince me completely that this was something that naturally happened. Um, it seemed kind of convenient for the most part. Um, and I just I paid more attention to to the whole Oregon uh, uh, business uh, more than more than their relationship, to, to be honest, as, as the characters probably should have, too. Probably should keep their eyes open on their organs, <laughs> not take any strange drinks uh, from people that you've had uh, harsh words with previously. Oh, boy. Uh, Chris, do you think it's I, – I kept thinking that this was uh, – I read where this is uh, Amelie's first uh, English language film. And I thought maybe that was part of the, the, the lack of chemistry I was seeing. I don't know if it was retrofitted, uh, kind of as Brooke was saying, to where – yeah, at the beginning of the film, they're not speaking because I didn't really feel a deep connection between the two. But at, you know, at a certain point in the film, there's I believe another character that's like, you know, she's in love with you. Like, how can you not see it? And I thought maybe it was just a language barrier barrier where uh, Edgy Four's at this point probably a more accomplished actor, especially you know in regards to the English language because that's uh you know that's his language. <laughs> But <laughs> um, you gotta pick on never, Amelie a little bit here. I'm trying to make you the bad guy as much as possible. I, I it's maybe it's a casting thing um, where her accent it, she's supposed to be Turkish, right? Yeah, I think. Um, don't ask the Kentucky really, white guy. Uh, she's just it, someone it, else. I don't know. From <laughs> Something foreign. Yeah, um, it, she never felt Turkish to me. She doesn't particularly look Turkish. Um, that could have been the accent thing. That could have been the um, fact that she is, you know, trying to do these lines for the first time, foreign language. Um, probably a hell of a lot better than any movie that I would try to pull off by trying to do it in French. Uh, but still, at the same time, it's not a great performance, and she's surrounded by really interesting performances um, and she's been really good in other stuff. So it's uh, maybe just a miscasting for her in this particular role for several different reasons. Um, yeah. So I, I didn't really care about their relationship and the movie doesn't dwell on it too much. So it didn't distract me in that way. I mean, it's, it's just over 90 minutes long. So a lot yeah. of this is expedited. I think that's where I had initially some of my issues with uh, you know, the tone because it does shift uh, pretty rapidly. Uh, you have, uh, you have your comedic relief in a way. <laughs> Weren't you watching this at one and a half speed? That's why it made it even more rapid. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the transitions would be a little bit smoother if you're watching it at the one to one. It's Sir, supposed to be seen. Schindler's List works just as well when I watch it at four x <laughs> speed. <30 minutes>. <laughs> <laughs> it's even better. <laughs> The little girl shows up in red. You think that, like, you know, you're having an acid flashback. Yeah, I thought Oliver Stone took over for that that sequence. Um, it's really impressive. But no, like, I think you're onto something with. Uh, it may be a bit unfair to her because you have, for instance, you have the the prostitute, who, in a certain regard, is the comedic relief. At least she's the one that uh, gets, you know, she gets to participate in this sort of Ocean's Eleven heist in a way. She gets the snappy lines. And also with, you know, poor Amelie, she's playing uh, the character where basically all the bad things are kind of coming to her doorstep and she's just trying to maneuver around them. Whereas the other characters have also had terrible things happen to them, but it seems like they found their, their place in this underworld and she's just trying to manage it. So yeah, she's not, I mean, it's not a, a fun role to play. Uh, and, and definitely Aqua is in you know some respects, the Danny ocean of the film as far as his, <laughs> his turn. <laughs> it's a much more low key Danny ocean. That, that, that last 10 minutes is the Danny ocean of the movie. And, that, the, the, and I guess the 
opening starts that way a little bit. It's bookended with him being pretty smooth. I think he's pretty locked in uh, for the for the most part. I think that's why the, the romance doesn't really work because you see a guy who seems to, you know, he's overly concerned uh, as he should be, but he seems to know the score on things. He seems to be aware. Uh, and with her, I, I don't know. I don't know if I blind that like you know the smartest guy in the room is just uh, totally removed from uh, well, you know romantic he also, attention. He also keeps trying to get her away from him, like yes. He, Every like stuff, bad stuff happens, and he's like, "Okay, I'm, I'm no good. I just get away from me." And then she doesn't listen, or or he then changes his mind and tries to save her. So like, there's this back and forth that happens, where it, yeah, it's it's just not. I Do don't you think know, that's the, the character trying to stick his head in the sand? Is he trying to to like? Well, he's trying to be this noble person who's like, "Oh, I will sacrifice myself," and and I'm. I don't want to. I don't want to get you into any more trouble. I don't want you to be harmed in any way. So I will. Uh, I will do the right thing and tell you to to get away from me. Get, just don't don't bother with me anymore. I'm no good for you. You know. Let me let me just sulk here by myself because that's <laughs> what a hero does. And it just it ugh. <laughs> that 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 part I I, I didn't like. Um, <laughs> because then because then he he would change his mind and then go save her again. So <laughs> I make up your my, mind. My favorite character is the Benedict Wong character. Um, oh yeah mortician yeah it just he seemed like the 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 guy that uh i don't know maybe uh Akwe should have uh listened to a little bit more i know it, you know he's he's got some funny lines but he's also uh the one that uh i guess tries to be like the the yoda or whatever <laughs> and, and somehow <laughs> offer this advice but he also like there are a couple times where you can his expression is he kind of just throws his hands up. Like, I don't know. It's like, I like that you have a guy in this sort of criminal underworld, uh, that has seen some, some bad stuff. You can just throw his hands up and be like, ah, it's just kind of fucked up. Isn't it? Like, I don't, this is just, <laughs> yep. this is just where we're at. <laughs> he was the most realistic character. Just like, yeah, I don't, wow. That sucks. <laughs> here's, here's your drugs that you asked for. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> <laughs> a nice cold place to sleep, you know, with some, yeah. <laughs> some bright lights on. Uh, I'm going to transition us to uh, The Visitor, which is uh, basically about, um, from my reading of it, uh, since Chris accused me of being the Richard Jenkins character or aspiring to be the Richard <laughs> Jenkins character. You agreed with me. <laughs> <laughs> I took it as a compliment. <laughs> as uh, as about uh, two thieves. Uh, who are, are squatting in this poor, uh, gifted musician's <laughs> oh, abode. <God>. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, he just, you know, he comes to, to learn to put up with their, uh, their racket and, uh, and then, and true, I guess, you know, white guy fashion appropriate this guy's music to his own success <laughs> in the subway. <laughs> I think I read that right. <laughs> Yep, that's that's how I read it. <laughs> on a on a well, kind of on that note, on a serious note though, this is written by and directed by Tom McCarthy, um, who has had you know some success with uh, Station Agent and Spotlight, and then did an Adam Sandler movie, which uh, was some not, success, yeah, one not... best picture. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't know how Mike took the movie though. Ah, uh, <laughs> Mike considers that a, a low point. I, Chris, I said it deserved uh, best TV movie at the Emmys. I thought it was really good. If it had been on HBO, he just thought he should get back to his duplicity roots. I'm a big fan of the Station Agent. I would have been much happier with that one winning best yeah. picture. But um, you know, this is I, I wonder because I mentioned it earlier how well this ma- movie manages uh, the the ignorance of this old white guy who is. I mean, they they set it up well that he is he's out of touch uh, with his own life. He's just sort of stagnant. He is trying in a very half-assed way to to learn to play the piano, which I guess is meant for us to take that uh, you know he's he's trying to dabble in something, trying to claims something of, of merit uh which is artistic and eventually he leads misses to... his wife that's what it is i didn't you know i didn't really i didn't really i, I know the movie is saying that but i find that to be one of the lame lamest things in the movie that 
that he's missing your wife. Lame. <laughs> His wife is dead. <laughs> he he had this house that was filled with the noise of her playing piano, oh, and that's you why know how terrible two... that sounds. That just right there. That uh, that that's why this is from the director of best TV movie Spotlight. <laughs> it's filled with the sounds of his dead wife's piano. I'm just piano. saying, your, your, your take on it is that's that's you reinterpreting it. That's it. That's I'm trying to make not it better. What's in the Chris, movie? I am trying to make it better. Uh, because I no, please continue rewrite okay. it. All right. Well, let me let me let's just continue on that point. Okay, I, I didn't like the the dead wife uh, thing. I didn't like <laughs> that being his. She, like, she was terrible. Her ghostly presence, <laughs> her her lack of presence, was terrible in this film. Worse than Amelie <laughs> for sure. Um, because that gets brought up again right before. Uh, okay, this this young couple that has been tricked uh into uh paying for this place that whoever they're paying it's clearly not that person's because richard jenkins owns this apartment hasn't been there in a long time comes to the city and he develops a friendship uh with at least one of them and uh, starts to learn to to play this instrument uh i don't know what it technically is uh it's a drum of some sort but the music thing is brought up again the, the dead wife piano playing by this quasi new romantic interest, which is this dude's mom, while while he is sitting in a holding facility about to be deported, and he walks in and she says, "I love this music. Was this your wife?" And I was I was banging my head. I'm just oh god, like why why McCarthy? <laughs> why did you have to make that connection? Where it's like. Is that the film and is that uh, Richard Jenkins character, Walter, being like, hey, this is okay because she's acknowledging my dead wife now and I can move on to having feelings for her. I just thought it was, it's just it was a fumble of the ball. I just thought it was, oh, it I, was two on the nose. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And I, I actually I actually think I mean, I completely agree with you, Mike. If you had taken out all the stuff about his dead wife, I think this the movie still works the same. Like, I don't think it's something that's nice. Like Richard Jenkins, if you if you want an actor who can portray, I'm this close to blowing my brains out. It's Richard <laughs> Jenkins. That's why I love the guy. And and so you don't need you don't necessarily as far as the movie is concerned. Right. As far as the the how the visitor is, you don't need the the dead wife thing. I think it still works just as well without it. I mean, he's he's a bored college professor who's just he just doesn't care anymore about what he's doing he's been teaching the same class over and over again i know college professors who've been you know teaching for a long time yes it it their their life sucks um so that's that's all you kind of needed and again as soon as you see richard jenkins on screen you 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 feel like oh wow this guy is probably about to blow his brains out i'm i'm intrigued now what's what's he gonna go through what's his art gonna be is he gonna do it is he not gonna do it i don't know i want to see so, I feel so like mccarthy had no confidence that people would feel like this guy was ever a person of substance before and it's like so this the dead wife thing that hangs over the character in the film is like oh he must have been happy and uh he you know pursued life more at some point and this is just some sort of sure. lull or phase he's going through as opposed to just you know being a little bit more honest that you know maybe he was never married it doesn't i agree with you it doesn't matter if if he was married for or not like this is a guy that i could have guessed like okay at some point he probably was passionate about his work or something else and you know he's just reaching a point in his life where as you say he's just bored and i i don't like that that little sign of tragedy, that little tinge of it that over the character, uh, just so he can, he can have a more fully realized arc where he finds something to pursue. Cause here it's, it is about, you know, the other characters, like their lives are being ruined. And so like yes. him finding, uh, you know, uh, a, a desire for another woman or a companionship here. <laughs> I think, I don't really think you need to push that when you've got other characters as like, yep. And they'll never come back to this country and they may be forced away from their loved ones. Like I, I, it makes me get a little bit angry at the film uh, that Walter needs to have something like to fight up against too. Like it, I think it's a better film if he just is like, this is just unjust. Like it has nothing to do with a reawakening for me. I I just you know when you put this in front of me, I just I don't find this right in the world, and that's that works better for me than him falling in love with this dude's mom. I just don't I don't know. It's a little skeevy the way that works out. 
it, yeah. doesn't it feel kind of dirty? Just the whole thing that it's it, taking advantage of it. And it, it's, I think that Tariq gives, uh, and I'm not sure who the actor is. He gave that character. He's so good. And actually all Richard Jenkins is great here. All the performances are rising above the material that they're working with. And it feels like if, if we would have had a better director, they would have known to pull back on a lot of these things and not make it so heavy handed and so leading um, because they were those subtleties of they were there in the performance and they already told us the entire story. We didn't need to be told everything. And I felt like it, he, you said it before, Mike, he wasn't confident um, in the material, but he should have been confident in the performances because it was all there from all of them. And when he brings in the mom into it, and then this becomes like you said about his awakening, it just, it lessens the relationship that he had with Tariq and it lessens his interest in these people. And it makes it about him just, you know, trying to get his groove back. And that's a far less interesting movie. Yeah. Completely agree with that. It, there was, there was something about once, once the mom was introduced, it just, it felt like, it felt like a different movie all of a sudden. And it, it, it definitely did undercut. Um, I think, as you said, you know, the relationship that he had with, uh, Tarek and Zena. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and so it, it was, I wanted more of that or even, I mean, I, I think you, you, you could have stayed with that instead of introducing a, an entirely new character halfway into the movie that becomes, um, his, his, uh, awakening. Right. Um, but in, in, in the end, right. It's he, Walter, realized that he had been learning the wrong instrument and that was um <laughs> and that and everything worked out in the end because now he, he figured he should have been a drummer not a not a, a pianist um so good because everybody knows people without ability can play the drums yep i thought that was <laughs> without bass. natural ability <laughs> i oh. thought it was the bass player i don't <laughs> i've been making fun of bass players you. for so long <laughs> um I will say this. I, with my complaints, I still liked the movie, but having seen it before, I, you know, I knew, uh, I knew what was going to happen to this relationship. I almost, for this podcast, uh, since I'm just, I'm just really going to insult our listeners. If so, if they take the time to actually watch these for this stupid show, they're really going to hate me. I almost decided to just stop this right at the point that uh, Tark is is taken away from us because I've I enjoy the film up to that point. I I enjoy Richard Jenkins going to the park and learning to play this drum and just hanging out and being interested in the world and being interested in more than just that that small little campus that room that empty house i i really dig the movie up to that point and you know i don't want to sound <laughs> i don't want to sound i guess like the jenkins character where i'm sticking my head in the sand a little bit but uh I, I feel like it's kind of paint by numbers after that fact. And I, I agree with you, Chris. The actors are doing a lot of the heavy lifting here, but you you know how it's going to go. Like, it's it's just like, okay, here's the point in the story where we're going to have one more sort of uh, teary goodbye. Uh, and I don't know if that final scene works with him drumming. It, uh, it could have been worse. It could have been worse, but I, I yet again, folks, like – it goes back to the lack of confidence. Like I understand with that scene, of course, what they're getting across. There's, you know, there's a lot of anger and rage uh, at really the, the sort of the impotence of this character to, to do anything. Like, it's just like, you know, he, he cared for a little bit about these people, but it didn't really matter. And I, I think it's a stronger decision if you don't, you don't allow him to sort of bang it out in rage. If you just end on the silence, if you end on him just going home and back to emptiness, back to, you know, there's, of course, that's a better decision. But what I was going to get to, <laughs> and yet you were was... picking on me for picking on. Tom wait, wait, McCarthy. wait, wait! Just, just hear me out on this. <laughs> um, just one point about this, because this is Tom fucking McCarthy that we're dealing with here. There's a moment where he's on the subway and he's playing the drum, and he's there's a black guy on either side of him. And I was watching this going, oh, fuck, this is going to be the moment where the white guy's playing the drum and the two black guys look at him and go, all right. And they start I, nodding their heads. I thought and, the exact same thing. And it didn't happen. So, you know, God bless him for that moment because that would have been some bullshit. I agree with that. Uh, but it could have been stronger if they just walked away with this interest. <laughs> just, oh, I don't know what that's. Agreed. There could have been so many more strong decisions that could have been made here. But he didn't make that one. So I'll give him that. 
it's it's really uh, a film and i'm wondering like because uh, i believe he was richard jenkins was nominated uh, for this this one and I, i'm just gonna throw it out oh, to you all. can you can you think of another movie that just really hangs its hat on just the performances so much where you do kind of overlook uh some of the i guess the after school special kind of moments uh chris do you is there one that comes to mind where there's just one really strong sort of uh, yeah um there's the uh uh hang on uh primal fear is one of those movies i think where you have one performance in it and this one's better than that because there's a whole bunch of good performances and in primal fear, you really just have Ed Norton that one time How giving such you. a great performance. Richard, Gere, um, obviously <laughs> Richard Hare's doing, <laughs> that's all there is. It's just the hair that's doing the heavy lifting for him. I never watch his movies, uh, at uh, triple speed, but I do always watch them on mute and often pause them. <laughs> I take it slower, light some candles with Richard Gere on my screen. <laughs> Uh, Brooke, what about you? Is there is there a film that uh, sticks out in your mind as far as that it's just about one uh, dynamic performance that uh, carries a movie? Oh man, um, nothing that comes to mind right away. Um, that might be because I usually watch movies like Fate of the Furious, where the acting definitely doesn't carry the film. Um, no, I it's wish. Yeah, I wish I could think of. <laughs> you're right. Um, no, no, nothing. Nothing comes to mind right away. Uh, maybe I'll. Maybe I can maybe I can record something later and you can like stick it in there and make me sound smart. I, I hope you just record uh, it like on your iPhone, like on a street corner, so we don't even try to mask the fact that it was later. No, it just, just dropped in. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way. Your it. listeners won't know won't know the difference. No, That's they've sorry. already tuned out at this point. They're like, oh, can you actually bullshit. just get it auto tuned and use a totally different voice altogether and just drop in a random movie? <laughs> I should do it anyway. You know, I should not even tell Brooke I'm doing it and just pick for him and just put just, in. Yeah, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's okay. I'll I'll redirect to these two films then. Uh, do you think the performances in The Visitor uh, carry it uh, to topple uh, Dirty Pretty Things, which I think has a more interesting plot, but they I don't think they allow. Uh, the actors there to to kind of go to those places that they allow uh, Jenkins or uh, I'm going to really butcher this name uh, Slayman I don't know the one that plays uh, Turok I don't yeah. think I, I even looked him up because I'm like man he's really good in this then I looked and I was like oh of course he didn't really get cast in the other big movies he's done a lot of tv and strangely a lot of video game voice acting so oh. um, his number two on imdb is assassin's creed as best yeah, known for yeah i uh so, Fuck, yeah. that's a really god damn yeah that was probably the most depressing that's why i don't do fucking research because it's just depressing you see i'm like oh that guy was great oh of course he didn't get cast in anything else anything. after this yeah <laughs> yeah um but yeah, back one to my... shot in Blue Bloods, and I guarantee you what he was playing in Blue Bloods. Uh, yeah, uh, CBS, the widest network uh, out there. <laughs> Blue Bloods may be the widest demographic show. <laughs> Richard Jenkins is actually outside their demographic. He's too young for the Blue Bloods audience. <laughs> uh, but oh, yeah, back boy. to my question, Brooke. Do you think the uh, the uh, plotting of Dirty Pre Things? Do you think mm. that outweighs uh, the uh, the performances of the visitor? Because I think that's probably the, the biggest difference between the two, as far as tackling the issues of immigration. Is Dirty Pre Things does put it in the the crime genre? It's a little bit of a thriller, and the visitor is definitely a, a melodrama. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it does. I think Dirty Pre Things with the plot, um, for me, uh, stands above the visitor. And, and, and again, I mean, I, I completely agree. The acting in the visitor was, was fantastic. Um, and, but it just, I, for me, the plot, I mean, just following Walter around him being the, the, the main character we follow around and just him being so dead for most of the film and just so uninteresting and so, uh, just, I don't know. Yeah. It, just, it, it, it I couldn't be interested in the film enough. Like I was more interested obviously in like Tarek and Zainab and, and kind of even Tarek's mom, I guess. Um, but it, it, I was much more interested in them and, and we didn't get hardly enough of them uh, in this film and following Walter around just, I, I, 
the, the Richard Jenkins' performance is great. Um, one of the one of the really good things about this film, in my eyes, is is um, how I guess uh, just calm and slow it 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 was in in trying to build up going from a walter that was you know essentially emotionally dead um to eventually having him um become more alive right and and it it we can argue about how well it works but i mean obviously <laughs> that was that was the the uh, uh the goal there and and um allowing Allowing Walter to walk through this very slowly, very deliberately, um, and calmly, and not with with hardly any melodrama to be—I mean, in my eyes, um, there were there were heavy-handed moments, but there was a, Walter was just very quiet and didn't really react to things and was boring through <laughs> um, a lot of this, and and having the. I think it takes some confidence to do that. Um, and so I, I appreciated that or I could appreciate that. I didn't really enjoy it in this film, but I could appreciate that. Um, <laughs> I could appreciate him trying to do that. It's kind of um, like a racer hedge. It's something. I don't know what it is, though. <laughs> um, but for my money, yeah, Dirty Pretty Things was was better because the plot was just more interesting and the characters we we got to see the more interesting characters more often chris what do you uh i, I don't know where you're gonna go with this because i feel like you kind of you went to bat for both films at, at different points uh so well, I, I, I i'm assuming I you're going blue go... bloods here right you gotta go blue Bloods. yeah i'm, I'm going blue blood so I'm, I'm going with the, the <laughs> over 90 cbs demographic <laughs> the visitor for one reason um dirty pretty things had a much better story um, had a much more, it was, it could have been far more compelling and it was just, I was kind of left in the middle on it. And the visitor is something where it was a really bad story and it had several elements that I would find really jarring, but the performances were so good that I was still engaged throughout the film and I still was interested in where they were going. Um, those things that you were talking about, Brooke, where he's just walking around bored. I was absolutely, that's what I wanted more of. I kind of wanted it to turn up the levels one way or the other. I wanted it to be all about, you know, the immigrant story, or I wanted it to be all about this man's depression. And so I would have been really happy in either one of those films, but they kind of tried to go back and forth and it doesn't work as well. But I was very interested in either one of their stories. And I was never that invested with any character in Dirty Pretty Things. I either felt like they just, you know, with Audrey Totoa, I'd never connected with her character at all. Um, or they were kind of all the supporting characters in that film were very over the top. Um, Juan's character was so absurd that he presented no menace in what my What are you mind, talking so. about? Absurd. He's listed as sneaky Juan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I noticed that. Sneaky slash Juan. <laughs> so exactly. Um, so it was just a, I'm oddly enough, a more interesting movie for me. And that shows how fucking old and white I am that I would much rather hang out and watch the visitor. Hmm. I don't know how much. It's, 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 it's so interesting that I, I really ag agree with you, Chris, that just, they, they kind of is with the visitor. They towed that middle line where they didn't give us completely yeah. this story about this depressed white guy. And they didn't give us completely the story about these, these illegal immigrants and the things that they're going through. And they tried to toe that line. And, and for me, that just, yeah, that, that killed a lot of it for me, but I would have been much interested with one of those stories and, and, not and both of them together. And the fact that the, uh, the performance is that they're able to rise above that. All these yes. things are so glaringly wrong with it. And then I'm still interested and still kind of walked away, not annoyed with the movie it says a lot. And dirty, pretty things is one of those movies that I, yeah, I will completely forget about that. And that's mm -hmm. one of those ones that by the time you're getting out to the car, it starts to go away. It, despite its sort of art house fair um, that it had, it's really, this was when the Weinsteins were getting into that kind of big studio mentality, I think at this point, and they were kind of churning these things out and it just, I, I did not care for this thing at all. I'm going with sneaky one. <laughs> dirty pretty ones, right it's just like it, it's i'm almost you, i'm more bothered when something's in the middle when it's just it doesn't leave me with any real reaction to it 
That's at least, it doesn't feel like it tried at that point. At least if you tried something and had some balls and it just you fell flat on your face, I can applaud the fact that you tried or you actually succeed or you fail wonderfully. Uh, dirty pretty things for what it is feels really safe. You thought the mustache twirling uh, immigration <laughs> officers was safe? I don't yeah, know. The, the Borat mustache, they're absurd. Like you can't, it, it just doesn't work for me at all. It's, this is, it felt like they were, I don't know, there was that point in time where the, that, you know, this Disney owned Miramax at this point, and they were looking at something like Run Lola Run and kind of thinking that they could make a little bit of money off of this crime thriller kind of thing. And we'll put in some wacky foreigners to bring in the laughs, and there you go, it'll all work out. <laughs> they, and it's they, just, yeah, the, it's the just, immigration officers definitely look like they were going to take uh, uh, Amelie and like tie her <laughs> to some train tracks. That like, <laughs> I was expecting them to do that if they ever caught her. <laughs> just. And, and, that's the imbalance in that movie where yeah. you have um, the main characters in a, are in a totally different movie than the rest of the world around them. And it's just, it never feels, I, I don't know. I was, it's so disjointed to me that it just never connects in any way. And the same problems are there for the visitor. It's, you know, when I look at the reviews on both of these, they're both really high, highly regarded yeah. films and it's kind of odd. How dare you? We we try to do an episode on immigration, and you say both of these these fine films don't deserve the stain. This is why this poor actor who I can't pronounce his name is on Blue Bloods, Chris, because of you. <laughs> because of me, I wanted to see more of him. <laughs> and, I, and honestly, I would like to see him in a film where he's not a terrorist or not a you know illegal immigrant. Well, let's he's not. A... You're, okay, you're yeah, asking for a lot there. <laughs> Unless there's like something in the you know fate of the furious two or whatever they're gonna name come up with those two words that they can churn out, which uh, the, I mean that series is uh, is incredibly diverse and successful. So I mean that's that's good. Uh, but I uh, you know I, I came into this thinking like hey which one in a way to use a you know the the Twitter term uh, more problematic in the sense that dirty pretty things. <laughs> As a as a, a white guy, I get to watch this and I get to see like basically immigration uh, tackled where the the immigrant it's like immigrants on immigrants crime. That's what it is. It's in this world where it's like you're, you're you, you don't ever see uh, someone not of that that underworld uh, really sort of enter in to this like territory. You don't have the Richard Jenkins, for instance, who just sort of stumbles blindly into it. And I wondered if that one, if it would sit better with me uh, in that crime genre world or the one where you do introduce the ignorant white guy and have this as some sort of teaching moment. And I don't think I came to any sort of conclusions on which, cause they're both films kind of make me uncomfortable. So I'm going to go with uh dirty pre things cause it's uh it's shorter. You're just uncomfortable with yourself projected on screen. That's all. I'm very comfortable uh, with myself. I just don't know. I, you know, I really, I just could not get past. And it's in Dirty Pretty Things too. I could not get past the the damn dead wife and the visitor. But I really dislike the ending of Dirty Pretty Things. Or way of Akwe call back home. That's I. That goes back to I guess you're saying it's disjointed because it feels like I, I'd even forgotten that that's like a part of this dude's like history. Yeah. Because like I, I thought like okay he saved Amelie. I guess that's the end, right? I guess that's, that's what we're we're doing here because he's in a certain way he's he's making a sacrifice. He has to leave. You know, he can't he can't hang around. He's he's created some sort of life for himself here, and now he has to start over. Uh, but the film makes that kind of a happy ending that he's like, this causes him to go back home after he takes the dude's organ <laughs> like out and yeah, like, you get to go back home with a new identity. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. It is wrapped up really, really cleanly, which, um, yeah. Yeah. A lot of a lot of crime thrillers do like they they because they realize that's not really the fun part of the film, right? So it's like, all right, just have him make a phone call and we'll just get out of this. Um, so I don't know. I'm very torn here because I, I liked both elements of this. I think Chris, you said something interesting about the visitor uh, having these like probably bigger highs and bigger lows in the film, whereas Dirty Pretty Things, because it is a genre piece, uh, I think you can kind of forgive 
some of the stuff more, but it definitely doesn't take take the big swings um, that the visitor does. But I don't know. I'm I'm just going with uh, I'm going with thirty pre things just to be disagreeable. You're going, you're going with the safe choice. I know. Is it's it the okay. safe choice? I don't. I, you're, you're scared of being the uh, white guy standing up with the uh, white splaining of the visitor. I understand. <laughs> I well, get it. Let's see. I'm trying to think. Yeah, you're right. I don't know if there's. No, I, I understand not wanting to side with that. I get it. I know what it makes us look like, and I'll, I'll, I'll be the guy that's going to do it for us, so no worries. Yeah, I'm totally fine with that. Um... <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice, Chris. We, we appreciate it. <laughs> you are truly the, the Richard Jenkins of the podcast world. <laughs> I am the Richard Jenkins of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Uh, I think that'll wrap it up. Uh, where can people hear <laughs> more, <clears throat> more? Uh, I don't know, uh, white splaining on Cinema Bun. I don't know. Oh boy! Have, I don't know if you have an episode on that, but uh, no, no, we have a strict policy the, against. You know the two dudes to call. You know if you ever need, if you ever do a <laughs> you theme. You need me to come down and really explain immigration to you. I'm happy to anytime. <laughs> we actually have both of your photographs uh, on our walls uh, <laughs> as a band for life. From, uh... Why didn't I get called for I'm not your Negro? I mean, I could have really helped you out with that one. I, I assume, though, it says it's uh, we're behind glass, and it's, you know, break in case of in case of Blue Bloods episode recaps. So, if you need Smokey and the Bandit explained to you, I guess I'm your guy. There we go. All right. All right. <laughs>